Welcome to the Uena Basin Sports and Swords. I'm your host, Mark Winterton, and joining me today is the Roosevelt City Mayor and candidate for Senator running for Mitt Romney's seat, J.R. Bird. Before I bring him in, I want to mention the sponsors of our show, Rough Housing Kennels. They specialize in doggy daycare. First day's free, so go allow your dog to get their energy out, socialize with other dogs, and watch your dog play on their live cameras from their website. You can go to roughhousingkennels.com. That's R-U-F-F housingkennels.com or call 435-725-DOGS. Also, the Levitt Group Insurance Agency, Vernal and Roosevelt, we are your oil and gas insurance providers. Oil and gas is a specialized market in the insurance world, and that's what we specialize in. So give us a call today, 435-781-0000, or you can call me at 435-724-7773. So this is mostly a sports show usually, but I... I mean, we can bring in sports. Let's talk about your Roosevelt City uh, Flag Football League that you guys are uh, just started. <laughs> yeah, I saw your comment. Sounds like you think it's a great idea. So, <laughs> <laughs> about the refing, is that what you? Of course. I mean, refing's my, not my life, but I love it. It's in, it's in, been enjoyable. Sure. And so, and I've had the opportunity to ref flag football adult league. Yeah, and how did that go? Well, they were, you know. You get guys that are trying to relive their glory years, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's like I told you. You get that many adults playing flag football. What, what possibly could go wrong? Like, honestly, come on. So, so are you on a team? Uh, Roosevelt City is looking at putting the, a team together, yeah. I, I don't know that we've done it yet. There's two teams that I've heard of that have put in. We need to get at least four. And so our city manager has played football. Our assistant city manager has played football. Our city attorney has played football. I have not played football, but I like football, so we're gonna, we might give it a shot. I'll, I'll come play with you guys if you do. All right. I will. Seriously. Okay. You're on. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the Senate deal. Uh, yes. Rod Bird Jr. Why, why did you go with that? Rod Bird Jr. So that's my given name. That's the name that'll be on the ballot. Is that uh, your, that's your birth certificate name? Roddy Bird Jr. Yeah. Okay. So that's one of my questions. Why didn't you go with Roddy? Uh, Everyone knows you as Roddy or Jr. It was it's easier, shorter. So if you're putting it on a sign, you can get Rod Bird Jr. You can get the whole thing on there. It's very easy to recognize. Sounds good, rings good, you know. But uh, and then everybody knows me by Jr. So it's really, uh, it's been kind of an interesting thing. But uh, my response is I'm Rod Bird Jr. But my friends call me Jr. I see. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and in school, you know this, Mark, because you went to school with me. So right. on my, uh, you know, on the roll, the teachers would read. They would read Roddy or Rod, whatever. And uh, that's what the kids started calling me. And then, but at home, I get called JR. So it's always been, there's been some confusion around, and it's always been kind of this squirrely thing. But uh, anyway, we're sticking with Rod Bird Jr., but my friends call me JR. So I see. <laughs> All right. So now let's ask the big question. Why are you running for the Senate? Because we need good people to run. Uh, I've sat back and watched for quite a while now. And, uh, you know, you know as well as I do, our country is not headed in the right direction. Um, I've watched people that have gotten in that have said they, they would do certain things and they didn't. And as I contemplated why we can't get good candidates to run or why we can't get people that will actually get in and do what they say they're going to do, I had a thought come to me immediately and say, you cannot wait for people to run. You have to be those people. And so you and I, the good people of America, we have to get involved. We can't wait 
for other people to fix these problems for us. We've got to get involved and do it. But it, but and you and you know now as well. There's you know you're going to or you do the amount of money that it takes to run for an uh, office. I guess of this. It's obscene. It's totally obscene, and that's the, that is the other problem. I mean, when you look at the pool of people that you have to choose from that have that kind of money and then that want to actually do that because they feel in their heart that that's what they should do, how many people do you think have that kind of money and then are, able, you know, are willing to do that, actually? The pool is very small. And then that asks the other question is how many of those that actually run that run on an old a personal agenda. Right. And that's the thing is, man, what I've seen, this machine that exists uh, is almost impenetrable. And it's really hard. It's really hard to get in when you're on the outside. And, uh, you know, it's a difficult thing. I think you've seen and you know it's been advertised that I'm willing to put in over a million of my own money. Uh, that's a huge commitment. That's not something that most people can do. But if you were to look at, um, you know, years ago, before they passed House Bill 54, that allowed people to actually um, get signatures to get on the ballot, the primary ballot, we went through the convention system. And that convention system did allow people like you and me that didn't have a lot of money to actually have a chance of getting elected. But they changed the rule. And at first I thought, well, why wouldn't you want somebody to be able to go out and get signatures? It sounded like, well, that's the voice of the people. That's, that's democracy. That's what we do. But then when I realized that I can go out and I can spend anywhere from 6 to $8 a signature and I can get my name on the ballot for $170,000 around about there, I mean, just an average, it shocked me because then what happens is instead of going through the convention system and, ha- and having a, co- a candidate come through that convention system, now you have several people that can buy their way onto the ballot, on the primary ballot, and if they have enough money, then they start buying advertisements and everything else to get name recognition and win the primary and become the Republican candidate. So it comes down to a money game, and that's what we've made it into. And it's really disheartening to watch, but that's the way it is, and so that's... Uh, yeah, it's frustrating, but that's where we're at. So real quick, um, and most people here that are probably listening to the show know your beliefs, your values, I guess probably your policy, what your policies would be, right? And especially because as, as Roosevelt City Mayor, and maybe you can mention this, what, uh, what's changed with Roosevelt City's government since you've been serving as mayor? And then, and then we'll go back to the policies. Yeah, a couple of, couple of significant things. So first of all, what we did, as soon as I got in, I started to push committees. Um, we had a lot of committees that were disbanded or, t- or eliminated uh, by previous councils. I'm not trying to fault them. I just, we, I have a different point of view. I want to hear the points of view of the people that I serve and give them avenues to come forth and be a participant in the government process and the decision-making process. And so that was one of the first things that we did is implement committees. We have an economic development committee now. We have an arts, parks, and rec committee. We reestablished the airport board, the golf course committee. Uh, we helped to reorganize the interfaith council, so it's a little more uh, you know, organized and, and working with the city a little better that way. 
and we've always had planning and zoning, but that's six committees now that we have, or, or uh, yeah, six committees or boards that we have that are communicating with the council and that are bringing their thoughts, their ideas, and we're integrating them in our decision-making process. I think that is huge. And you see all the projects, you see all the success that we're having right now uh, with, you know, the nature park and the ball fields and the gun range and the, the innovation hub. And all of these things w- that we're doing have stemmed from those committees and those ideas and, and that collaboration we have with our community. It's excellent. So that's policy. You know, that's one thing that we've done. The other thing that we've done, we've seen the need for term limits. And so the council and I have passed an ordinance that allows a councilman to serve eight years and a mayor to serve eight years. And if you've served eight years, you can serve another four. But, well, actually, we're thinking about changing it. You can serve another four if you don't uh, serve in the same office. But that's another policy, well, an ordinance that we implemented because we see the value in getting fresh, you know, fresh eyes, fresh blood in with new ideas that we can continue to move forward and progress. We have staff there that, that are the constant. We, it's good and healthy to have new elected officials come in with new ideas and uh, not get tunnel vision and bring a new perspective to what we're doing. And so, yeah, we put term, term limits on ourselves. So. Well, and with, um, I'm thinking on the committee portion, going back to that, the more you've gotten community members involved, the more, I guess, community feels a part of what's going on in Roosevelt City, doesn't it? Absolutely. That was one of the biggest <clears throat> frustrations or, or things that I saw. You know, the council would make decisions, and then we'd get people that were frustrated, and I thought, well, there's a disconnect there. There's this, a dis- this was before. Yeah, this was before that we, we started all these committees. Uh, you know, I served on the council prior to, and I could see that disconnect between the council and their constituents and the council and the citizens of Roosevelt. And I knew that there was an, uh, a way that we could connect that and overcome that, and that's what the kid, uh, committees do. And so, you know, if somebody has a complaint or somebody has an idea for recreation, we'll come to our Arts, Parks, and Rec committee, pitch it to them, vet it through them, get those ideas, get that, you know, yeah, those ideas flowing. And then if they think it's a great idea, then bring it to council, and council can handle, you know, handle it from there, fund it, or whatever we need to do. But uh, that has been a really good avenue where people can come in, they express ideas, they express their thoughts or their concerns, and they don't have to come to an actual council meeting where it can be a little intimidating. So uh, that's really given people a platform to come and participate and share their ideas, and it's been awesome. We have, you know, pickleball, uh, disc golf, We've got Teddy's Playground. That's another one that's going in. You know, we'll have some bike trails up there, disc golf uh, course up there. And uh, all of those ideas are stemming from those committees. And then the council just has to decide whether or not we can, we can or will fund that. And then the other thing that's been happening is we've been getting a lot of participation in fundraising and grants and things like that, even from those committees. I think the pickleball uh, community fundraised and paid for most of what they have as far as painting the lines and everything on the basketball court and doing that. So just having them involved, we're doing a lot with a little. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, these are more these are other members of the community that not aren't necessarily part of the government or even part of Roosevelt City. They're just other members that have a passion, and now all of a sudden they feel like they can have some place to voice that. Right. They have an avenue. They have an avenue to to um, bring those ideas and thoughts to fruition. Whereas before, you come to a what the city council, and if nobody has that. Passion. passion they're gonna say well that's a stupid idea you know i mean they're not gonna say that but yeah it just goes off on the wayside and part of that is we we have to deal with so much as a council anyway it, when somebody comes with an idea you know that's um you know distracting almost to to what we're trying to accomplish in some other areas who's going to take that on who on the council is going to push that and make sure that that happens or which member of the staff is going to do that you know, and that was the problem is we had these people coming in. We need to do this. We need to change this. And there was real no, there was no mechanism to follow up with those ideas. And now there is. And now you can see what's happening. It's, it's pretty, pretty impressive. So do you have a vision then not now on a national scale of something like this? Well, this in particular, like the committees. So first of all, if I get elected... When I get elected, I should I need to be more positive about that. But um, vision it right exactly. Um, I've thought of this on a large scale that we need to get people involved. First, first of all, you look at the national budget, you look at some of the problems we face, you look at the bills that are being passed and the pork that are in those bills, and it's scary where we're heading. And so, an idea that I had a long time ago that I can have uh, or implement if I get elected, when I get elected is to have the national budget and the bills that are being passed being audited through a group and involve and then once all that information is pulled out as far as in you know disseminated we find out exactly what's in the budget what's in the bills that is disseminated then to the public and the public knows exactly what's going on we need to link the public to what we're doing in Washington they need to understand and be educated on what's happening there and so, as a senator, I'm able to hire staff. If I hire, when I hire staff, it'll be staff that are experts in those types of things. When a bill is presented and we only have a few days to get through that bill because it's been held back to try to push through, which is kind of a tactic that they use, then we'll get all 30 of us or whatever, and we'll all take, you know, 50 pages of it. And we'll break it down, and we'll know exactly what's going on, and that'll be disseminated to the American people of everything that's going on in the bill. Education and knowledge is power. And so we've got to get the power from the federal government and put it back in the hands of the people, and we do that through educating the people. At least I believe in the people, and that when they're educated, they'll make better decisions. And then that's how we involve them with the decision-making process. Then they can start voting differently. They can start thinking differently. Right now, they're just being told by the media, by politicians, what to think. And we need facts, figures, and good information back to our public so that they can make good decisions. It feels like sometimes the politicians think they're smarter than us. <laughs> well, I've said, um, when, a, when somebody gets elected, it's almost like their IQ goes up about 100 points. <laughs> Or and, is that their head grows that much? Well, it's just uh, pretty soon, and I've heard this comment before, you know, in general, and I'm not trying to point any, anyone out, but I've heard the comment before of, 
you've elected us, now let us do our job. And it's almost like this. Have you seen Matilda? I think it's Matilda where mm-hmm. you're big, you're, or I'm big, you're, you're small. small. I'm smart, you're dumb. I mean, that's almost how we're t- treated. And it's almost like the government doesn't have, or these people think in their mind that, that they are so much smarter than the public that they need to make these decisions for them because they wouldn't make the right decision on their own. And I'm just the opposite. I feel like if we give people good information and, uh, and we educate them on the, on the issues and the facts, they will make good decisions. And that's our job, really, as legislators, not only to represent the people and make sure that we're representing their views, but to make sure that they're educating on what's going on and give them an opportunity and listen to you know, their ideas and their thoughts before we go back and try to make laws. They're the boss. We're just, an at, we're just a mechanism or a, or a vehicle to get done what they want done. And we need to be, that's the way we have to think about it. Public servant has to be the mentality when we go back there. No, no, I don't want to change this and make this into a conspiracy show or anything, but how do you do that <laughs> with a media that feels like they never tell you the truth and that everything is scripted? That is going to be the number one most difficult thing and hurdle that we're going to have to overcome, guaranteed. When you say we. I mean, in general, anybody that goes out there trying to tell the truth. I mean, I I don't want to demonize the media, but there is definitely an agenda there. And so there is bias there, and we've all seen it. I mean, you you see the difference between MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, talk radio. You look at the difference in the narrative, and it's night and day difference but they're talking about the same thing so who's telling the truth and that is the problem that is going to be the one of the most difficult things that we have to accomplish and when i say we not only me but other legislators is to gain the trust of the american people and how you do that is you do what you say you're going to do and you have to have a track track record of telling the truth and doing what's right until they come to the understanding that you will tell the truth and that you are saying and giving them the facts and it's going to take some time and uh but i'm up for the challenge that's we've got to do it all right so then that takes it to the next level is anyone who runs for anything in in the government politicians they get dirt drug up on them or there may be lies so you just i mean can you are you trying to I guess maybe imagine what they're going to bring up on you. What are they going to dig up? What did you do when you were eight years old that it's going to be hung over your head? Well, I'll just tell you right now. You want me to tell you everything? (laughs) (laughs) No. You know, the good thing is, uh, are there things out there that that I could have done better? Absolutely. Have I done anything that would bring shame upon me or my family? Not, not, no, not that I'm worried about. But there, are, there is that fear, right, of somebody coming out and making accusations and, and making up stories, and they've done it. I've heard, I've heard numerous um, occasions where that's happened. And, you know, Trump was one of those with the Mueller report and the FBI, and everybody thought this was legit, and the Russia and Trump collusion and everything else, and then it ended up being bogus. Well, now he's being indicted, and the question is, is this another bogus 
you know, indictment? Is this another uh, a bogus case? Or is this real this time? And so that is the doubt and mistrust that is there. And, and it's hard to sort through all, all of that. But my wife and I have agreed that I would never cheat on her. I would never, you know, there's certain, like, we already know that that may be a possibility that those things will come out. And uh, luckily... Lies will be told. Yeah, and we know that. That there, will be, there may be an attempt to bring me, people like me down. And uh, what helps me through that is knowing that she's with me 100%. She's on board 100%. And I would not be able to do this without her. So sticking together, her and I, I think that is the, the biggest thing. And then again, just being consistent, telling the truth, doing what's right. And uh, hopefully you can win, win the trust of the American people. And you've told me this, and so I don't know how much you want to tell, but truthfully, how do you get your family on board with doing something like this where now all of a sudden you're taking all of your time where you're spending maybe with family back to Washington? That is a really, uh, that's a, it was a difficult decision and it's a major sacrifice. I can tell you any, you know, anybody that decides to do this, at this level, uh, understands what kind of a sacrifice this is. And feeling that in the beginning. So when I first felt strongly that this is what I needed to do next, it was completely different than what I had envisioned for myself and our family. And, you know, my youngest is almost graduated. Well, not almost, I mean, he's a sophomore, but he'll be graduated by the time I'm done as mayor. We've already put the term limits on. That's my last term. I'm like, hey, we're, we're good to go. We had other plans. And uh, I started to feel these things a few years ago. This is what I ne- needed to do, and I kept putting it off. But um, those feelings just kept getting stronger and stronger. And so I started to have that conversation with my wife. And uh, she thought I was crazy at first. But... Uh, uh, I thought I had a plan in place that I may, may be able to get off the hook on this one because I knew it was going to take both of us. This is something so big. I knew it was going to take our family uh, making that decision. And so I asked her to pray about it. And uh, she went and prayed about it. And I was hoping, crossing my fingers, that she would come back and say, no, I don't feel the same, that you, the same way you do. And she came back um, more convinced than I was that this is exactly what we needed to do at this time in our lives. And she hasn't let me back off since. And if it wouldn't have been for her, I would have kind of maybe, you know, crawled in a, <laughs> in a hole somewhere and just forgot about it. But she has felt it. We have, we have both felt it. And that's why we're willing to do what we're doing and invest not only time but money and, and resources and whatever we have to to, uh, to give ourselves a chance to represent the people of Utah in the way that I think they deserve. Well, anything else you want to add? Our time is about up. Well, the only thing I'd like to add, Mark, is one quick blip, and that is this. If we can get America to respond the way our community responds to the problems and the issues that we face, just like I came today from the Thompson House of Hope, where we rally around each other, we help each other, we, we support each other uh, through thick and thin, that is the American dream, and that is the community involvement and the passion that we need. Government is not the answer. Community is answer. Family and friends are, answer, are the answer. And uh, that's what I want to bring back to Washington, those small-town values of 
lending a hand to those in need, keeping your word, speaking the truth, doing what's right no matter how difficult, and ultimately good, honest, hard work. Thanks, JR. Thank you. Rod Bird Jr., or as his friends call him, JR, that's the Roosevelt City Mayor and candidate for Senator running for Mitt Romney's seat. And this is the Uana Basin Sports and Swords, sponsored by Levitt Group Insurance Agency, Vernal and Roosevelt, personal auto, homeowners, business insurance, where we specialize in the oil and gas industry, workers' compensation, and bonding. Call us, 435-781-0000, or call me at 435-724-7773. And Roughhousing Kennels. Let your dog get their zoomies out at Doggy Daycare. Go to roughhousingkennels.com or call 435-725-DOGS for more information. Sports and Swords with Mark Winterton on News Talk 104.5 FM and AM 920 KVEL.